Hello everyone, welcome to Chippy and Chill, the anime podcast, the podcast that celebrates all things anime, the figures, the anime itself, the characters, the collectibles, all of the collectibles, we love it all. Last week we looked at the strongest and most powerful anime characters, looking at characters such as Sailor Moon, My Hero Academia characters, Jujutsu Kaisen characters and Basically everyone in between that, including One Piece characters and more. There was one character in there from Attack on Titan and this this episode is all about Attack on Titan because this week finally we have the release of Attack on Titan, the final season part one, releasing today at the time of recording. It's Friday 3rd in the afternoon and I've not seen it launch just yet on the Crunchyroll server but I do have a flight tonight so I'm hoping that it should be on there in time for my flight so I can watch it on on there as I'm flying. I can't wait. I'm super excited. I think I do need to give myself a bit of a run through of the series just to catch up. I think I might make that next week's episode potentially, uh, potentially how long that could end up being. But I do want to dive straight back into that storyline. It's super complex. It's super interesting. It's got so many different perspectives and twists and turns and emotions mixed into that storyline and I cannot wait to see how it develops. I've not read all of the manga so I'm not entirely sure what actually does happen so it's it's all new to me. So this week kind of following on from that theme is 16 facts you didn't know about Attack on Titan both the manga and the anime series. So this show has become one of the most popular anime series since its release back in 2013 and it's hard to find any anime fan that hasn't got at least an opinion on Attack on Titan and I more often than not find people that love Attack on Titan and I as soon as I watched episode one of the series I was absolutely hooked. I joined the Attack on Titan fan club Oh, bandwagon a little bit later on. I didn't start until I think last year. So I've had quite a, a whirlwind of watching episode after episode. It might have been the year before actually. But either way, I've had it quite condensed compared to actually the the large run that it actually has had over the years. So let's dive straight into our facts. We've got quite a few to run through and some of them are quite detailed and have quite a lot of theory to them. So let's dive straight in. So fact number one is all about the manga series and the manga started seven years before the anime actually even aired. The story started out as a one-shot manga back in 2006 as a 65-page story and it even earned creator Hime Isayama his first prize, the Magazine Grand Prix Fine Work Award and it was just 19 when he won that award and three years later his editor at the time, I assume is still his current one, said he should revisit the story and turn it into a series and Isayama actually spent the next half of a year working out the story and its details so a lot of planning and forethought went into the story of Attack on Titan which I think is why it's so complex and why there's so much kind of going on in the background with its characters and these little easter eggs and little hints to areas of the world. 
So in theory, it's actually Izayama's editor that we need to thank for the anime series Attack on Titan. Thank you. So fact number two is that the Titans were designed after famous martial artists and the main protagonist, Eren Yeager's Titan form, was modelled after a mixed martial artist, Yushin Okami, who has competed in organisations such as the USC, UFC and Pride FC. If I put my teeth back in, I can actually speak. Izayama also used professional wrestler and mixed martial artist Brooke Lesnar as inspiration when designing the Armoured Titan. So no wonder why the Titans are so broad and muscular and like just massive. No wonder why. Interesting that even the character designs for things like the Titan where I kind of, I don't know if I would have thought that the character designs for them would just come out of an over-exaggeration of the human body, whereas actually it comes from a martial artist background. Fact number three is that many of the anime characters come out of the manga, we know that. However, there are some exceptions to this. So one is Lord Balto, who first appeared in episode five, where we see him while he's playing chess with Dot Pixis, during which they finally get told about there being a Titan invasion in Trost. So this character actually doesn't appear in the manga and it's for some reason he's included in the anime and I don't know if maybe did they spot a little missing plot hole or maybe just did they need to introduce some kind of different type of character here. But we do also know that Lord Balto's name was changed in the English dub to Lord Wald and I couldn't I couldn't find any reasoning behind that during my research for this episode so if you do know anything let me know down in the review. So every anime and manga creator at some point will choose their favourite character and I always find it super interesting to find out who who is it because you they create so many characters, so many personalities, so who do they kind of resonate the most with? So Jean is the creator, Izayama's favourite character in Attack on Titan and he said that the reason being is that Izayama likes that Jean has a very strong opinion, he's very opinionated, and he's not afraid to speak his mind. And Reina comes in second on his list of favourites. So I wonder what that says about Izayama. He's, is he more shy, so he likes a more outgoing personality as a reflection of that? So fact number five, and this is my favourite fact, the greatest mystery isn't the Titans, but it's the wall itself. So on a bumper commercial sticker for the series reveals a story of the year 784. It told about a miner who dug under Walsina hoping to find a better life outside of the city. But no matter how deep he dug, the wall never seemed to end. The digging soon led to him finding a layer of bedrock made of the same material as the wall. So this was included on bumper area promoting the series and I wonder how many types of these little nuggets of information and insights have been missed. But does this mean that the city itself is built upon the wall structure? And are there titans underneath the city as well? We know they're surrounding them. Spoiler alert, we know they're surrounding them. But are they underneath as well? Did they build the cities on top of a wall of titans as well as surround them? I think is that something we'll see later on in the series? Fact number six is all about the real-life Attack on Titan city, or at least what it was based off of. So the main area where Eren lives that we see in the series is based off of an actual place in Germany called Nordlingen. 
I could have potentially mispronounced that. Do Google it and you'll find it. It looks beautiful. So when you see the two areas beside one another, there is quite a clear resemblance in the amount of built-up areas. It's quite condensed of a site. And the shape of it is quite reminiscent of the city in Attack on Titan. So it's quite a like-for-like representation of the area. Who knows, maybe they have a wall of titans that we don't actually know about. So fact number seven is the fact that no one actually expected the anime series to do as well as it did, or has. So it's no secret that it's become one of the much-loved series of modern times, and I think it will become one of the most iconic ones going forward. But no one thought that it would be that successful, not to this level. So that is why there's a three-year gap between season one and season two, because no preparations were really made for a season two to go out so early. Fact number eight is all about the dream sequence that we see Eren have earlier on in the show. So when the series began, Eren was sleeping underneath a tree, and moments of his dream quickly flashed as he woke up. Mikasa found him crying and asked what was wrong, but he forgot what the dream was all about. When you slow that sequence down, you actually see what Eren's dream was about, and Eren dreamed of the Titans breaking into Wall Shiganshina and Wall Maria as as well as seeing the smiling Titan eating his mother. Later on in the episode, the same thing happens, spoiler, and shows that Eren's dream did come true. So it's almost like a slight forecasting of the events to unfold. I can remember watching that scene for the first time and being absolutely shook at just at what was happening and the Titan and actually how creepy the smiling Titan was because of it smiling while while it ate. It's oh so so creepy and so strong. Fact number nine is that during his days at the 104th Cadet Corps Eren couldn't seem to be able to use his vertical manoeuvring gear properly. We saw him wobble and shake all the time. When he couldn't stand straight while practicing, he fell down and injured his head. Steam can actually be seen rising from him shortly after. Though fans didn't might not have noticed it or didn't notice it the first time, after rewatching the scene and revisiting it again, you can see the steam rising from Eren's head. So that's a little bit of foreshadowing around how much steam we see later on during Eren's transformations into the Titans and his Titan form. And we see the steam quite prevalently on other Titan forms as well. So we saw a little foreshadow of actually how much steam we're about to see come out of Eren later on in the series. So Eren was able to master the vertical manoeuvring gear as Keith revealed that the gear Eren used was actually broken. So that kind of lets us know how strong actually Eren is. He actually got a bit of broken gear to work. So fact number 10 is that up until the end of season 3, the people of Paradise thought that they were the only ones left of humanity. That's what they believed, that's what they grew up on. However, Rainer also, as well as many of the other Titan shifters in the series, were from Marley, another nation. When he revealed his identity, his speech didn't make much sense to his enemies. However, after finding out the truth, they understood what he meant, finally. He was forced to attack Paradise, believing that the people inside the walls were devils, only to find out that they weren't much different from him himself. Despite becoming friends with his comrades, he knew that he had to finish his mission in order to save the world. 
I think Reina and, as well as Bertolt, are two characters that I'd really like to know more about in the show. I hope they get kind of, or maybe I can find some kind of more backstory for those two characters. I think how they've become to be what they are and were, I really want to know more about that and more about their life in Mali. I don't know if maybe I've missed some of these dregs, but I think I really would like to find out more. Maybe there's more in the manga that I've not actually read so maybe i've not seen it or read it but i think there's quite a few characters where i think there's so much more to them in this series than meets the eye also the colossal titan is probably one of my favorites i think it's really really cool fact number 11 is that both attack on titan season 4 episode 19 and chapter 120 start with an image of a young mikasa and while it's not completely clear it looks like mikasa's scarf is black in the image and black is the colour of the scarf that was originally given in the manga before the anime changed it to the red colour. Maybe to make it more vibrant or to maybe foreshadow more of the violence and bloodshed that we're about to see further on in the series. But it's quite strange as to why in those areas the scarf would be referenced as black, not the red colour. So there's a lot of theories around the foreshadowing and also alternative timelines for Attack on Titan. So is Mikasa Ackerman's scarf being black part of that theory have somewhere in the timeline is there a slight shift why would her scarf go from black to red or why would it be shown in this way why would they reference that or is it just a pure nice easter egg that was from the manga is it literally nothing more than that we do have a tendency to look at things a little bit too closely a little bit too deeply maybe it's just they changed it to red later on and that's that. Maybe that's the end of the story. I'd like to think there's more of it. I'm not entirely sure on the alternate timeline theories for Attack on Titan. It feels slightly more linear to me. But I like the idea and I like the creativity. The next fact I didn't actually think was real until I looked into it a little bit more. It kind of felt like more of a theory or a pipe dream. But Marvel and Attack on Titan actually did a little crossover comic. So in a crossover called Attack on Avengers, Captain America and Spider-Man and all those guys battled against the Titans from the Attack on Titan series. So the comic is only 8 pages long and it's available for free actually as part of Marvel's free comic book day issue Secret Wars number 0. I haven't read it, I don't really plan to, I have to be honest. I used to be a really big Marvel fan and after a while it got I got very tired as a fan of Marvel no offence to anyone that is a Marvel fan, by all means, it's a great series. However, I wonder how, how does that end? How does that comic end? Who wins? Who wins in that? Or is it just a pure tie and everyone goes home, back to their own timelines and their own stories? It is very strange to see those two worlds mix and those characters intermingle and kind of battle each other. It is very bizarre to see, but very... Very interesting. It's a nice Easter egg. It's good for, I guess, different collectors. If you're a collector of either Marvel or Attack on Titan merchandise, it's a great little weird and wonderful piece to have. So there are some characters in the Attack on Titan series where their details and kind of almost basic information isn't quite available or hasn't been confirmed. And although some of these things kind of, maybe they don't, progress the story so it's never been confirmed it's never been required to 
there are areas of the story where people have different theories or there are areas where characters just aren't fully fleshed out or aren't as of yet. So one of these is how old is Levi Ackerman? He's one of the most loved characters in the series and we've all seen his little cleaning outfit when he does the cleaning. We know he's a clean freak. Everyone loves him. But there is no concrete information on his actual age. While Hime Izayama has unwillingly stated that he is around 30 years old, there's no news from the official Twitter account or him himself on the Attack on Titan character's actual specific age or specified birth year, things like that. A lot of creators and manga writers have very, very detailed charts or information packs around their characters and their birthdays are celebrated like real people's birthdays and they're very big on things like that you know these are these characters that have spent years in the making and development and have crowds of fans for these specific fictional characters so it's kind of strange that we don't have a pure age an actual factual age for Levi apart from the fact that he's around 30 years old However, Izayama won't go deep into Levi's age as it may be linked to a future storyline. I think that sounds very interesting and that sounds very exciting. Will we see that as part of the final season, part one, part two, whatever, however long they'll drag this out for? Or is it part of a more sideline story? Another one of these characters that have more ambiguity around them is Zoe. And... She's portrayed as female in the live action and she's portrayed more female in the anime. However, Izayama has never actually concreted her gender, or their gender should I say, and during the English dub of the series, Izayama gave specific instructions not to use gender specific pronouns for this character, Zoe. So he's allowed this character to have more ambiguity and allowed the fans to almost make their own mind up around this character and see them how they want to see them which I think is really nice I think it's nice to leave characters slightly more open like that and leave them slightly open for more interpretation so the next fact is the appearance of the titan is based on the person's personality throughout the series the titans are considered to be emotionless kind of just animalistic beings who are bent on destroying everything in their path to satisfy their hunger. And we kind of later learn that it's actually just for almost sport. They don't need to actually eat them, people. Spoiler. And they don't have feelings or ever communicate with each other, just leaving them nothing but giants roaming the earth for who who knows why they're roaming. But in fact, the appearance of the Titans says a lot about them as people. For example, Ymir's Titan form doesn't have lips that represents the fact that she constantly needs to talk. If we take Reina's Titan form, it represents his primary goal as a warrior covered in armour. Then we see Armin's colossal Titan form, who actually, when you compare it to the original colossal Titan form that we've seen in the earlier series, it's completely different. It's much softer looking, it's much more sad looking compared to Bertolt's Titan form. And I think that's a really nice detail in the design of these alternate forms and Titans that actually 
they have their heart on their sleeves, essentially, because they're wearing their personality, because they can't communicate in a traditional speech way. So they're almost communicating who they are through their appearance, which in some ways, and quite in many ways, we do ourselves with our clothes and hairstyles, makeup, things like that. But they're doing it in in an almost primal sense of they portray their maybe their insecurities or their emotions on their actual designers titans i love it when you find out facts like that and it really gives an incredible depth to some of the creation of characters and designs and the storytelling that isn't the story but it's storytelling in a different way so our last fact is that the story goes back even further with six prequels being available to read as light novels. All these novels are written by different authors, and which I think is quite interesting that it's being given to different authors to, to create. And many fans don't consider it canon because of this. However, the very first of them was the trilogy called Before the Fall, which featured a story from 70 years ago before the original events of the manga. And the novel focuses on the inception of the Survey Corps and the creation of omnidirectional mobility gear. So we start to see these pockets of information about the world, about the gear that they're wearing, and the creation of these areas that are before the characters that we know even really start to become people. They're born, it's before the time they're born. So I haven't read these, but I think I really do want to read these, or at least find the footnotes of them. They sound really interesting. I really like it, the idea that other people have had a hand in this world and developed these storylines that give a deeper depth to the world around the main characters that don't actually involve the main characters at all. So at the time of this recording, I've not watched the new episode. I've not checked Control in the past couple of hours to see if it has launched yet. Apparently, the last season part one first episode that is meant to be an hour long is going to be split into three on the control server i think that's just from ad revenue fair play it's a business i get it i think we'll get a first one very soon i need to check after i've done with this episode to see if i can watch it straight away i've got a lot to do before our flight later on tonight but i definitely need to watch that on the flight later on however i do need to carry on with one piece as well i can't let that go but if you are a fan of Attack on Titan, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I've got some anime chibi style Attack on Titan prints of the Colossal Titan and the Colossal Titan against the wall on my Etsy shop. They are live today. I created them a while ago and I, for some reason I never put them on my Etsy shop. They're live now to celebrate the launch of the final season part one of Attack on Titan. Do check them out. I'm super happy with how this one turned out. It's still one of my favourites and it's super cute for anyone's bedroom, desk, anime setup, gaming setup or do you know what if you just want to print in your living room of the Chibi Colossal Titan. He's a big guy that's made tiny. What more can you actually want from that? There are also loads more for Sailor Moon and more on there as well. There are also some digital downloads on there and prints of other popular anime characters in the super cute chibi style if you have enjoyed the episode please do leave a like a review it really does help out the show it really does help how it's listed and shared out 
I have a new Patreon, a club for fans of the podcast and fans of anime and my Etsy shop, a new monthly club where you receive physical and digital goodies along with exclusive updates. There is a Chibi Fan, Chibi Super Fan and Chibi Mega Fan tiers with each level being better than the last. With the Mega Fan tier including three physical prints of Chibi style anime characters that I illustrate myself. Each tier also includes an indefinite discount to the Etsy store with each tier having a better discount than the last. I've included a link to the Patreon site in the show notes so you can check out which club you'd love to be a part of. Find it down below, check it out if you're an anime fan or you know someone who is, or maybe you've got a birthday coming up and you can't think of a gift. This would be the perfect gift for them. And one that they get every month is a gift that keeps on giving. What more can you ask for that? Buzzsprout is the perfect platform for podcasts. Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a marketing channel or you have a message you want to share with the world or just think it'll be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive and fun way to expand your reach online. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch and promote and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed with all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts and more within minutes of finishing your recording. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners and for me, the team over at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters like me already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Let's create something great together. So following the link in my show notes, let's Buzzsprout know that I sent you over there. That gets you $20 credit if you sign up for a paid plan and help support my show too. Thanks for joining me on this episode. You can find all my social media links, including a Buy Me A Coffee show support link and more down there. Thanks for all of your support. It really does mean a lot. Even if it's a download, a review, a like, a share or the Patreon club like I've already mentioned. Thank you so much for everything. It really does mean a lot. Until next Monday, have a great week, guys. Enjoy all the new anime episodes that are releasing this week. I know I will be. I'll be trying to catch up with all the ones I've potentially missed out of recently. Have a great week, and I'll see you next Monday. Bye.